Because of our desire to avoid hardships and to arrive at the place that we believe we're supposed to be, one of the most difficult invitations that God gives us is to remain in the hard spaces. This is actually a theme that we've heard woven throughout so many of the conversations in this healing series. While the individuals longed to be healed, to be removed from the difficulties, God so often invited them to remain. And he did so for a number of reasons, whether it was for their own healing in ways they didn't know they needed, or sometimes for the healing of another. And there are times where this is uniquely difficult because it's not something that God is thrusting us into, but something he is inviting us to choose. We experience this in a beautiful way in this conversation with Kim Harms, because she makes it clear from the start that it is not easy to relive the trauma of her breast cancer, to continue to put herself in a space where she has to think and talk about it. But she knows what God has invited her into, and even if it's not what she would have chosen, and even if she doesn't always feel like she has the capacity, she takes these steps of obedience, these steps of faith, trusting that God knows what he is doing, that he is actually after abundantly more than what she could have asked for or what she could have imagined. She accepts the hard invitation to remain because she knows that God loves her and that God loves others and that he is inviting her into that love as well. You're listening to episode 107 of the Where Did You See God podcast. Father God, I just want to thank you that you are God and you are good. And I thank you so much for this opportunity for Kim and I just to sit and talk and process who you are and what you've done and what you may be up to. And so we just acknowledge there's a lot of places we could take the conversation, but we want to go where you want to take us. So we invite you to guide our words and our thoughts. And ultimately, we really want this to be something that brings you glory and honor. So we give it to you. We thank you for it. We thank you for the privilege of being able to have this conversation. And we can't wait to see what you do with this time. Let's pray in your most holy and precious name. Amen. Well, Kim, I'm glad that we're able to talk. And I'm really glad for a specific reason, which I'll share in a moment. But Before we jump in, one thing that I like to do with guests is give them an opportunity to share who they are in a brief but fun way. And the fun piece comes in that I make it like an improv game for myself where I come up with a random prompt and throw it at the guest. And so I don't know why this is what came to my head for you, but here is your prompt to share who you are. Have you seen the movie Elf? Yes, many times. Yes. (laughs) Who, Who hasn't seen the movie Elf? For some reason, I specifically thought of the movie Elf where he's gotten into New York City and he's so excited about everything. And there's one point where there's these guys handing out flyers and he's so excited to take one. And then there's another guy and he goes to the other one. He just starts getting all of them until they're like, get away, man. There are people that will stand on a busy street with flyers in their hands. So let's say that you want to tell people who you are. And so you've decided to put this short blurb about yourself on a flyer. But the thing is, Most people aren't like Buddy the Elf. Most people will just walk right by it because they don't want to deal with another piece of paper. So you've got to find some way to make what's written on this page engaging so that somebody takes it and reads it and does it, just toss it on the ground. So I'm walking down the street. You put a flyer out to me. I grab it. What do I read about Kim 
on the Kim Flyer. Oh, goodness. (laughs) (laughs) Well, a flyer about me would probably include the fact that I am a boy mom. I live in a house full of crazy maleness. I'm the only girl, including my dog. who's (laughs) My dog is also a boy, so I don't know why I got a boy dog instead of a girl one. But um, (laughs) I love having a house filled with the boys. It's exciting and fun, and they have inspired me to do crazy things. So if you spent time with me, you would find that we go backpacking and jumping off cliffs and things like this. But I've also got this other side of me that is, I'm not a wild person, and I'm very introvertive and introspective, and I'm a writer, so I'm quiet. So I have these two kind of parts of me that pull at each other Mm. because my family and my husband, they push me to do these uncomfortable things for me. (laughs) And then you've got the quiet side that loves to just be by myself and write and read and enjoy quiet. So if you took a flyer of me, you would see, okay, this is a woman who I can probably relate to in some way. Because she understands the quiet, but she also understands the pull of adventure. And then added to that, this would probably be a different flyer, but I've experienced breast cancer. And that's kind of how we've connected here. And just as an author and writing this book, relating to a lot of women who have gone through what I've gone through. So lots of life experience, I guess. You know, I appreciate that you brought up, you know, you have written a book, Life Reconstructed, Navigating the World of Mastectomies and Breast Reconstruction. And In that, you share from your story, but also the story of a load of other people that have experienced it from health professionals. You know, you do have a story that really couldn't fit on a flyer. (laughs) The good news is, is that this isn't a flyer. This is a conversation (laughs) and you could fit a lot in a conversation. So, you know, I want to just jump right in. I mean, I want to learn more about your story because I mentioned that I'm excited about this conversation. And the reason, I'm, there's a lot of reasons I'm excited, but one of the reasons is I learned recently that a friend of mine, his wife actually learned she has breast cancer mm-hmm. and they're in the midst of the front end of that journey. And they're having to navigate that with all the concerns and questions and fears that come with that. And I was so excited to be able to tell him that I was able to interview someone actually who survived breast cancer and I'm editing her episode now. And then when we connect, I was like, this is great. There's two episodes Mm -hmm. for my friend, because as you probably experienced, being able to hear from someone that has been through something like that carries so much more weight than just platitudes and general encouragement. To know someone's story who has been there can bring an encouragement and kind of a push to keep going that is just phenomenal. And so Kim, tell me your story. Well, I was diagnosed with breast cancer one month after I turned 40. So one month to the day after my 40th birthday, I actually discovered a lump myself and made my first mammogram appointment, which was my first and only mammogram appointment because discovered that it was breast cancer. I actually first went to my just family physician and she said, you know, I think it's probably a cyst. It's likely a cyst. And so I wasn't too concerned at that point. And then went to my mammogram and funny thing at my mammogram, they didn't realize that I had found a lump and they thought I was just there for an appointment Mm. and they got done. I was ready to leave. And I'm like, so what do you think about the lump? And they're like, oh, we didn't see a lump. You were here because of a lump. So they like didn't even find it in my mammogram. So then I had to go back in and do it again. And so that was a little disconcerting. Mm -hmm. But then they said, yeah, we're definitely going to need a biopsy. So went through, you know, the whole process of do I have cancer? And then of course it ended up being cancer stage one. So early stage, I had a bilateral 
bilateral mastectomy, a double mastectomy, and then had breast reconstruction. And I've had a few surgeries, actually had my implants recalled because they caused cancer. So I had to have another surgery. And I'm on a 10-year prescription to tamoxifen, which so my cancer feeds on estrogen. So what tamoxifen does is it keeps my cells from absorbing estrogen. So yeah, I'm almost six years into 10 years of that. Mm. And then, you know, just my yearly checkups, but I've been healthy and good and we're in a good place now. You know, cancer is hard and just being in the community that I'm in and writing about it and connecting with women, I am exposed to cancer all the time. And so sometimes I think, why did I do this to myself? I could just be done and move on. In fact, I know people have done that. I know women who have had cancer and they don't even like to talk about it anymore. They're going to compartmentalize. That was that chapter and I'm onto something else. And mm-hmm. I feel like where God has me is right in the middle of it. Yeah. And I get emotional, but I meet so many women going through this hard thing. I mean, we all have different experiences because there's so many treatments and so many different types of breast cancers and different stages, but we all have this common experience and we've all gone through the fear and we've all gone through hard things, different levels of difficult. But God's been so good to me to bring me women who I've been able to, some of them just encourage and some of them have encouraged me. And some days I don't want to do it. But most days I'm reminded that God took me through this for his purpose. And even if that's hard for me, it doesn't mean that it's not good. Yeah. Well, first, I just want to say thank you for remaining in that space. And you named it really well. You don't actually have to stay in this space. Like you could keep on doing the medication for a few years quietly in your home and then think about anything else. Mm -hmm. And to stay in this space means that you are having to subject yourself to the pain and the trauma and the hurt and the fear over and over and over and to see others in that space and to carry that burden with them. So I want to thank you for doing that because Mm. it's so valuable to people who otherwise might feel unseen, unheard, and alone. Um, It's like we were saying before, (laughs) like there's this value to hearing the story of someone who has been there. You know, as you were talking, I looked up a verse that popped in my head that I feel like is just really relevant. Second Corinthians 1, 3 through 5. Praise be the God and our Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. And our default is to think, okay, I'm in a rough situation. God comforts me. Great. I'm comforted and I'm good and I'm going to go back to my life. But that verse four, (laughs) who comforts us, so that we can comfort those in any trouble. It's this communal understanding that the comfort you received wasn't just for you, but was an invitation to then almost spread that comfort farther above and beyond, which what it could ever been just within you. And so I haven't read your book, but I know your faith comes into that book. So tell me about that part of your story. How did your faith play a role in this journey? How did your understanding of God shift and change? Sure. Yeah. Thankfully, I was able to share my faith throughout the book. It's actually a general market book, so it's not a Christian book, but my publisher was great in allowing me to share that part of my story because I can't tell my story without Jesus in it. Mm -hmm. But that ended up being good because 
I've had people pick up my book who wouldn't have if it was pointed toward a Christian audience. And obviously, my book is not written to convince people of the truth of Jesus. However, I want them to see that as they read it. And if that leads to something great, if it just is an encouragement to them through cancer and their surgeries and how to deal with that with their family and spouse and whatnot, then that's fine too. But like you said, faith is so key to me in this. I don't know how I would have done this without Jesus. (laughs) So yeah, before I was diagnosed, I was waiting on my biopsy. The fear was just overwhelming. I would wake up in the night and for a second, like after you wake up and when you're grieving something or in something hard, like you kind of have forgotten that it happened. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, I might have cancer. So I'd have these multiple times during the night, I'd wake up and then I'd just be in this realization and fear would take over. And Isaiah 41.10 has been kind of a key verse for me in my life. I memorized it when I was in high school and I was a runner and I would always get scared of track meets before the gun went off. So as we're waiting for the gun in my head, I'm saying, fear not for I'm with you. Be not dismayed for I'm your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand over and over and over. So that verse That is what I said over and over in the night when I was scared. And that would help me go back to sleep. And that verse, God used that in so many ways throughout cancer from people who didn't know that that was a verse I was clinging to. Mm. I got, I don't know what kind of card you would call that. And a card of encouragement when I got cancer from one of my best friend's grandmas had that in it. Friend of mine posted it on Facebook. You know, it just kept coming up. And I felt like it was just God saying, I'm right here. I'm right here. I'm not leaving. That scripture got me through some very hard things. And then I also, during cancer, I love this scripture. Isaiah 43, one through three says, fear not for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze for I am the Lord, your God, the Holy one of Israel, your savior. And I just love that. Mm. That was up on my wall and another verse that I just clung to through that. And God just was so good to me just to remind me over and over that, okay, you're walking through the fire, but I'm right here with you. So, and he was through a lot of really hard things. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Man. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And it's a really powerful passage, especially the last one that you just read. What stands out to me is it says, when you walk, when you pass, not if. Yes. We live our lives as though there's a lot of ifs. Like we know bad things happen, but we're kind of hoping no bad things happen to us. Yes. (laughs) And when you operate in that if, you become even more resistant to the win. When you were sharing the story about running track, for some reason, that phrase that you, you would get scared as you were waiting for the gun. For some reason, I wrote that down. I was like, I don't know why. The reality is, is that you were there to run track and you were going to need to run and the gun was going to need to happen in order for you to know when to start running. But it's that fear of this piece of it that could keep you from even running the race at all. And in life, we have these fears of what if this happens to me? What if I lose this? What if, 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 if? Meanwhile, Jesus is like, ah, in this world, you're going to have trouble. (laughs) This is a broken world. There is brokenness. There are hard things. But something changes when we shift from if to when. 
Mm. When we acknowledge this is going to happen, there are going to be hardships. There are going to be. When we shift to win, now it's no longer a protective, defensive, I'm going to avoid this as long as I can. But it's a, if this is going to happen either way, <laughs> then how can I step into it with a courage? Mm -hmm. The thing about cancer is you were kind of forced into that. You could choose not to run a race and track. You could say, I hate the gun. This isn't important in life. I'm done. But you had no choice. Like you were going to have to move forward. You couldn't ignore the cancer. The longer that you ignored it, the worse it would get. Mm -hmm. So you had to move forward and it forced you into that win. How do you feel like God gave you that courage? It doesn't sound like the courage was something necessarily in and of yourself that you created and mustered right, right. as much as it does a choice to choose not to fear. So how did you know it was God giving you the courage to keep going? Well, I know I didn't have it within myself, for one thing. And I know that God is faithful and he's shown himself to be faithful in my life in a lot of things, small and big. And so cancer was definitely the hardest thing probably that I've gone through. But just to be able to remind myself that, okay, when we went through this or that, you know, we had a miscarriage mm. in between our second and third child and he was there for that. Like, so I can, you can go back and say, okay, God was there for that hard thing. Why would he not be here for this hard thing? And he just shows himself to be faithful over and over. So I have no reason not to trust in him. You know, not that I didn't have fear and not that I didn't have days where I was like, okay, Lord, what is going on? I don't want to do this. Please take this away. Please take this away. And he didn't. I mean, he did through medical miracles, but <laughs> it is just that when you choose to trust, he proves himself faithful. I just, I have so many examples of that in my life. And cancer was no exception to that. In fact, cancer was, man, where it was proven so, so real because I, I needed him to be real. And he was and is. Yeah. Yeah. It's this interesting thing that happens as we journey. Maybe we have an idea of who God is. All right. There's scripture that says that God can heal and God is loving and God is faithful. Great. But I don't know if I actually believe that. Then we go through something like a miscarriage. And we experience the reality that God is loving, or we experience the reality that God could bring healing within our broken emotional state. And suddenly now we're at another level. Okay, this is something that I had heard, but now it's something I've experienced. But then it's the second, third, fourth hardship where we really get to see the faithfulness because maybe that was a one-off thing. <laughs> maybe it was a coincidence. But the next time that God proves himself to still be loving and faithful, now it's showing, okay, this actually is something I can trust and believe. So in other words, our understanding of God deepens the longer we journey in life, yeah. the more hardships we go through. So you knew God in a certain way before you discovered you had cancer and that faith carried you through. How is your understanding of God and prayer and healing different now in this stage of your life? It's deepened for sure. And I've grown in my trust of him and his purpose in hard things. Because I think of all the people that I know and respect and love most in my life, and a lot of them have been through really hard things and have come out of that with stronger faith and just a story to share that is encouraging to others. And not that I wanted to go through cancer and not that I wish cancer on anyone, mm -hmm. but in a way it's an honor that God would use me. Yeah. And so I have to look at it like that. God, he doesn't promise we won't go through hard things. In fact, he says we will. 
if I know I'm going to go through this hard thing, what a gift that he's given me to let me encourage other people and use that hard thing instead of just walking through it and just being like, okay, can this be over? Can this be over? Can this be over? Mm-hmm. God, he just uses the hard things so much more than he uses the fun mountaintop experiences. So I think when I look at my life and the cancer and, and challenges like that, it's easier to walk through them knowing God has me for one, regardless of where he's taking me, whether I'm healed, whether I'm not healed, I know that my future is secure with him. He has a purpose. He has a purpose for me. And that's just, it's a beautiful thing to know that he loves me enough to say, I'm going to give you this hard thing. I'm going to be with you. And then I'm going to use it. I am thankful for that. Yeah. And what you said doesn't really work with human logic, right? Like this hard thing, cancer, the fears that come with it, the surgeries that come with it, the chemotherapy, the pain, the medication, logically, none of those are good things. Even you said, like, I wouldn't wish this on anyone. And yet, in the same breath, you're saying that it was an honor and a gift. And this is the wild thing. This kind of thing makes me think of when scripture says the wisdom of God is foolishness to man. Because what this indicates is that there is more to life than just our health and our comfort and our security. Because if it was just about that and our self-preservation, then yes, absolutely, there is no scenario in which cancer is good. But in a scenario where there is actually abundantly more going on, that there is eternity that makes everything else look like dust compared to it, then somehow, illogically, the worst of things can end up being of value and of purpose and of beauty. And it's this hard tension because... You're having to still walk in this tension while it's still hard, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> while it still can bring tears. <laughs> and as you were talking, it made me think of this idea that we can oftentimes think that healing equals fixed, but healing doesn't equal fixed. Your situation in your life isn't fixed in the logical sense. You, you are still only six years into a 10-year medication. You know, you're still having to navigate emotional wounds and traumas that are triggered. I had a conversation with someone named Christine Handy, and she is a breast cancer survivor. And that's something she brought up is she's like, the journey doesn't end when chemotherapy ends. Like the journey continues well beyond that. It's a long game thing. So healing doesn't equal fixed. The question that's coming to my mind now is if healing isn't what we understand it to be, that everything is made right and is all better, what is healing then? What is healing to you? How do you know that God has brought healing into your life, even though you are still in the midst of things not being fixed? Yeah. Oh, that's a, yeah, that's a big question. I think that healing comes in so many different forms. So, you know, I could say I am healed of breast cancer. I am not in pain anymore. Even though I'm in the midst of it, I do have days where I don't think about it, which at the beginning was not the case. I'll share a story. So my husband and I, we've been married for, it'll be 23 years this year, I think, or will it be 24? (laughs) I don't remember. (laughs) We have had a very good relationship and then cancer hit and we had some struggles that came up that we did not anticipate through the cancer. So we had some brokenness in our marriage. 
it almost feels like an oxymoron because we were so close. He took so good care of me. You know, he's emptying my drains. He's helping me take a shower. He's helping me get out of the chair. He was there for every single appointment, every single appointment. And yet at the same time, we were struggling with, we couldn't figure it out, but we would have these arguments. And as we worked through that, we discovered that what was happening was when I was diagnosed with cancer, there are things that you can make decisions on. It's like the doctors are recommending things, but there are choices to be made and they need to be made very quickly. Mm -hmm. And I made all of these decisions very quickly. And then I would just inform Corey, this is what I decided. Well, turns out he was having a really hard time with that because he was feeling like he was left in the dust. Like she's not even like, Hey, okay, whatever. And so we had, we just had this tension in our marriage and we couldn't figure out why. And we had to step back and realize, okay, this isn't how we do things in general. We always make decisions together. We always talk things through. We're both internal processors, but together we never make big decisions without talking to the other person. So what I discovered I was doing was not letting him in on this part of me. And he wouldn't have told me to change any of the decisions I made. He just wanted to be a part of that. So speaking of healing and cancer, like that was a very real healing that needed to take place because of cancer that wasn't necessarily cancer related. It was that trauma that comes along with it. There's just trauma that comes. So we have healed a lot through that. Are we fixed? I don't think so. I think we're a work in progress forever, right? But we can now look back and see how we healed through that hard thing. So then the next time we're hit with something, because for sure we're going to be hit with something again, we have another I guess, weapon in our arsenal for knowing how to deal with that. Like, okay, remember, remember what we did and remember how hard that was and how did we get through that? And so healing may be partially just understanding how to get through it without expecting everything to be perfect at the end. Yeah. And your story also brings up an interesting topic because here was this thing that needed to be healed within your marriage. But prior to cancer, y'all thought things were fine. And in a lot of ways, they functionally were fine. <laughs> and as you were sharing that, it made me think about your story of the lump, that you found it yourself, but then one physician you talked to thought it was a cyst. You went to get a mammogram. They didn't even notice it, right? Like, and we have these things in our life that we might not even realize are there. There may be things that need to be healed that we're not even aware of because things seemed fine. Mm -hmm. Or we notice a little issue, but we write it off as like, oh, it's probably just this smaller thing. Put another way, God knows us deeply and he knows who he's created us to be and he knows the full life he's inviting us to and he can see the, the cancerous cells, the tumors in our lives that we might not even notice. Because, you know, when it comes to something like cancer, that can exist without us knowing for a long time. And if you're not actually seeking it out, especially, it can exist for a long time. But even if you find it, you might not know what to do about it, what it is, how to understand it. And it really is beautiful to see that one thing that God did through all of this was bring a healing within your marriage and within both of you individually that you didn't even know needed to happen. Here's what's hard, though, is <laughs> neither of you would have chosen hardship and arguments within your marriage, especially in a season like that. <laughs> like you would not have chosen dinner that. You would not have chosen if someone had said, hey, 
do you want to go through chemotherapy and a bunch of surgeries and this, that, and the other and have to have things recalled? And would, would you like to do that? You would say, absolutely not. We would never choose to step into hardships. And yet, we also desire to be whole. We desire to be full. We desire to be healed. So we went the healing without the hardship. <laughs> it's just not how it works. You know, you've shared that this was a hard season. And the thing that carried you through was God's presence and God bringing verses and reiterating verses about, hey, do not succumb to fear. Don't choose fear. Don't be led by fear. What would you say to someone who is at the front end of this journey that is feeling all reasons to be afraid and has no idea what's ahead and doesn't even know if they're going to survive this, how would you encourage them to take the next step, even if it's small, into moving forward? Yeah, it's a tough place to be. But I would say, to be honest with God, if you are angry and you are scared and you hate where he has you, be honest because he knows, he knows you feel that. So let it all out is one thing I would say, just let out the emotion. I would also encourage anyone in that spot to have or seek out a friend, whether that's a spouse, a friend, a sister, or someone who you can be like, this is my person and I need to lean on that person. And I'm going to be honest with that person about where I'm at, and they are going to be okay when I say I'm angry that God has me here or I am scared because mm -hmm. we need that support. But I do feel like sometimes we have a hard time being honest with ourselves about how scared we are or about how angry we are or about how confused we are. And if we can let go of that and be honest about where we're at in it, I mean, it doesn't make things better. It's hard. There's no way around it being hard and scary. But yeah, just seek God because he will be there. I mean, sometimes it doesn't feel like it as much as others, <laughs> but I will say in my experience through this, that there were times I was completely scared, but I felt like Jesus is right here. Like I just feel this presence. I'm really scared, but there's just something inside me that's like, but he's here. So seek that out. And if you don't feel it, ask for that, ask for his presence. Like I said, he's faithful. And that doesn't mean it's going to get easy because it's not going to get easy, but it is easier to go through things when you have the support of your savior and the support of people who love you. Yeah. Yeah. It could be hard for us to trust that Jesus is present because we just can't imagine that Jesus would choose to allow and sit in hardship. Yeah. I mean, if God really loved me, why would he allow this to happen? The greatest example of Jesus's capacity to be present in hardship is his existence period. You know, you get Philippians 2 that talks about how Jesus was equal to God. Like he was above all of this, but Jesus decided to take the form of a man, even to take the form of a servant, you know, to take the form of the lowest of the low and to endure everything that we've endured. Jesus could have just remained this angelic figure and pulled some strings, but he chose to be with us in the midst of the brokenness and to endure it himself because he was insulted. He was misrepresented. He had to go through all kinds of things. And then in the end, went through more intense hardships than either of us will ever know in our lifetime. More intense, both physically, 
but also mentally and emotionally and spiritually the most intense hardship ever in human history. And he sat in that because of his love for us. And so to sit with us then in the midst of cancer, it's a small thing. (laughs) (laughs) He's been through so much worse. So he's got a good track record for that kind of a thing. People could still get tripped up over, but why did he allow it in the first place? And there's, I mean, centuries of theology, people trying to answer that question, which is why I think it's so important to make a decision about what our starting point is. And if our starting point is I have to understand everything before I can move in, then we're going to be in trouble. But if our starting point is I am choosing to believe that God is God, that he is powerful and can do anything, and I'm choosing to believe that God is good that he is loving and works from that love. If I'm choosing to believe that God is God and God is good, then I'm going to start from that foundation as I look into this. And so instead of saying, well, if there is cancer, that means that God can't be good. No, I've already decided that God is good. If there is cancer in me, that means God's not powerful enough to stop it. No, I've already decided God's powerful enough. So there must be something else going on. For some reason, he has decided to allow me to be in this. So for some reason, he has decided not to miraculously heal it in an instant. So how can I move forward trusting that God is God and God is good rather than being led by my understanding of these horrible, horrible things? And that is hard, but it is a choice. It is the decision to move forward with that foundation rather than the foundation of our understanding. And like we talked about before, the more you do that, you build upon that. So your experience with miscarriage, that's actually where I personally developed this understanding of God is God and God is good. That's where that phrase became a part of my everyday language is when my wife and I had a miscarriage and we prayed for our child to come back to life because scripture says that could happen. And I feel like God's inviting me to pray. And when it didn't happen, I knew I had to make a decision. Either logically, there must not be a God or he must not love me because he didn't do this thing when scripture says, ask anything in my name. Or... God is still God and God is still good, even if it doesn't make sense to me right now. And that decision to choose to keep stepping shaped my faith in a deeper way than all of the Bible studies that had ever been in, all the sermons I had ever heard, because that decision to keep walking forced me to actually really stake it all on this belief that God is God and God is good. And so here you are, having gone through what you said was the hardest experience of your life, And you now know God in a deeper way. And he's inviting you to remain in that space and to talk to people. So how has all of this changed how you talk about God with others? Because you probably talked about God with others before, but I imagine it's very different now. Well, yeah, I'm not afraid to tell people where my beliefs lie and to share the stories of how he got me through cancer. I'm a pretty introverted person, which writers tend to be and (laughs) found. I would have not sought out some of the things that I seek out now. For instance, this podcast. Mm. I've done podcasts since my book came out. I would never seek this out because this is (laughs) quite honestly uncomfortable for me. (laughs) I'm so glad that you're having me on here. And I do love to share but it, it's out of my comfort zone. It's that feeling of, I know that this is what God wants me to do. And I know it will be good when I'm in it, but it's that fear of the gun going off. Like, yeah, okay, yeah. okay. Am I really doing this? So there's more of that, more of me. Okay. God gave me this opportunity. Okay. I'm going to take it where maybe before I would have been like, eh, 
I'm just going to stay here to say to myself. So I guess I'm more open about where I'm at in my life and what God has done. And I push myself to act like an extrovert sometimes when I'm not. <laughs> so I, mm. so I can, I force myself to share because I want people to know that God is good, you know, and he's good even in cancer. And there's more weight to that God is good when I can say, I believe that God is good and I walked through cancer. Then I believe that God is good and everything's gone great my whole life. I've never had a problem, you know? Mm -hmm. So yeah, I just, there's more of a feeling in me of, yeah, I'm going to be open to what God has for me, even if some of it's uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. It comes back to a verse that just keeps on coming up in this season to him who's able to do abundantly more than anything that we could ask or imagine because of the power at work within us. You would have asked to not have cancer. You were imagining a life without cancer. And yet God saw abundantly more. He was after abundantly more. And part of what it sounds like he was after was, one, a healing and restoration within you beyond cancer. Like, does God care about our physical bodies? And in a way he does, but he actually cares about a lot more than that because he knows that our physical bodies are going to pass away. <laughs> These things don't last. They don't have a very long shelf life in terms of eternity. And so he's not putting as much emphasis on that as we do, because on our end, that's all we know is our physical bodies and our lives. And if something happens to it, ah, what's going to happen to me? Yeah. But God's like, but I'm looking at eternity. Your body's going to die. <laughs> so I care about what's going on in your soul. So one of the things that God saw was abundantly more was deepening your connection with him, bringing that relationship to a deeper place, doing the same in the relationship between you and your husband and y'all's relationship with him. And the other abundantly more is God's like, I am also trying to bring my love to people you don't even know yet. And I want to invite you into that because your story is going to allow others to believe that I actually can heal. I actually can show love, right? So it's this willingness to not stop short at what we could ask or imagine to say, you know what? God says he could do abundantly more. And so he's loving and he's good and he's powerful. So even though none of this makes sense, I'm going to trust that he is actually after abundantly more right now. Do I wish it was different? Absolutely. Even Jesus said, God, if you could take this cup yeah. from me, that would be great. But not my will, but yours be done. There's so much more that you could share. And what's great is you have written a book and I'm sure have other content as a writer. And so if somebody wanted to learn more of your story, if somebody wanted to connect with you, what's the best way to do all that? Yeah, I have a website. It's kimharms.net. And actually on that website, we have a group called the Bosom Buddies. It's actually my mom and two of her friends who all had daughters diagnosed with cancer in the same year. Mm. And they make mastectomy pillows and they send them to people for free. Oh, so wow. you can go to them. If you know somebody who is going through breast cancer, has surgeries on the horizon, 
if you go to my website at kimfarms.net, there's a request form on there and we will send mastectomy pillows. They go in their armpits and they give you comfort after surgery in that painful area. So that is a big thing on the website, but I've also, I've got a blog on there so you can read some of my story there. I don't blog as much as I used to, but my book is also available pretty much anywhere you buy books online, Barnes and Nobles across the U.S. And it's called Life Reconstructed, Navigating the Worlds of Mastectomies and Breast Reconstruction. And then I'm also pretty active on Instagram at Kim Harms Life Reconstructed. So those are all places you can find me and connect with me, message me. I'll get back to you. That's great. And a question I always like to end with is, is there anything else in your heart that you want to share before we go? You know, I just want people to, to just be able to look at the hard things in their life as not just a hard thing, but what is God going to use this for in my life? Man, if you've been diagnosed with cancer or have a friend who's diagnosed with cancer or going through a miscarriage, my hope would be that you would sit in that hard thing, feel all the emotions, be honest with yourself, but seek God and see what he has for you because he has a purpose for everything. He has a purpose for those really great, exciting things in our life. And he has a purpose for those lowest of lows. And I think understanding that helps us have such a better perspective really as we walk through whatever we face in life second corinthians 1 starting in verse 3 says this Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm, because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. This verse has come up many times already throughout this podcast, but it felt so relevant here, that God comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. That is what Kim is living out, and she lived out in this episode. You could hear it in her voice. It was not always easy to talk about what she experienced, but she talked about it nonetheless, because she knew how deeply and how powerfully God had comforted her, and she longs for others to experience that comfort as well. She came to know God's love in a deeper way than she ever expected, and she wants others to know that love as well. She could choose to not accept the invitation. She could choose to ignore these opportunities, to avoid talking about it, to distract herself. And she might find a semblance of peace in that, but it wouldn't be the peace that God was offering her. God is offering her something more beautiful than just distractions and avoidance. God is showing her, hey, 
you aren't alone in what you suffered. So many others have and are and will suffer these same things. And you have the opportunity now to be an ambassador of Christ in the midst. And it's true. Kim has an opportunity to represent Christ in those spaces where it can be so easy for hope to feel lost. She has an opportunity to share who God is and how loving he is because what she's experienced gives her a deeper level of credibility. Because when she says, I know that God loved me and I went through cancer, people know that she's not just speaking platitudes. Maybe you feel like God is inviting you to stay in a hard space, and maybe you don't want to, and that's okay. It is okay to not be excited about that, to not desire that, because it is a hard, hard invitation. But if you are considering choosing to accept that invitation, I want you to know this. The ability to step into that is not based on your desire or your capacity simply your willingness. When Jesus invited people to follow him and he gave them a hard invitation to leave their lives behind, he knew that that was something that at times would be beyond their desire or capacity. But when he invited them, he also knew what he was going to be for them, what he was going to do for them. He was not going to leave them orphans or homeless or broken. He was going to give them full life. And so if God is giving you a hard invitation, he is not going to leave you orphaned or homeless or broken or forgotten. He is going to bring you full life in the midst. And the hard invitation isn't just hard to accept. It's also hard to persevere through. As Kim demonstrated, it is still hard to take these steps of obedience. But she is doing things now that she never would have seen herself doing doing things that she never would have chosen to have done. And I know I was blessed personally by what she shared and her heart and her authenticity. And I believe some of you were as well. And those are some of the fruits. And if there's fruit from what Kim is doing, there is going to be fruit from your steps of obedience as well. If God has given you that hard invitation to remain, I want to tell you that God is going to be with you, that God is going to be your capacity and that he will do abundantly more than you could ask for or imagine because there is a power at work within you already. So take a breath, let God know that you're willing to step, and then as you move forward, ask yourself, where did you see God? Have you ever wanted to read Revelation but haven't known where to start? Or have you been afraid to read Revelation because of all the ways you've seen it misused? Or maybe you haven't even wanted to touch Revelation, but feel like maybe you should since it's part of the Bible? Well, if you're in any of these positions or any other ones, I've got a resource for you. It's called A Journey Through Revelation for the Person Who Doesn't Want to Read Revelation. And here's the thing. The hope for this resource is that it makes the exploration of who God is and what Revelation can mean for you accessible, whatever you believe. And this will not be your normal revelation study. It's not going to dive into the historic representations of the imagery or expertly decipher the prophecies. The goal of this is not to tell you what revelation means. It's to explore what it can mean for you. Now, this thing is available for you right now in a few forms. One, 
you could go to www.wheredidyouseegod.com revelation, and you can find a PDF for free, which you can read on your phone, on your device, or print out. But if you like something that's a little nicer looking, it is also available through Amazon on Kindle and in paperback form. And I prefer paperback, whether you print it or you get the one on Amazon, because this gives you a place to write some things out because you're going to want a place to write things out. Because I really do believe that God wants to speak to you through Revelation, whatever you feel about Revelation, whatever your experience, and whatever you think about God. So if you're interested, get it for free. Get it for a very, very, very low price. This is not about making money, but about us together exploring how we can see God in the midst of such a difficult and controversial book. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the Where Did You See God podcast. And I would love for your stories to be a part of it as well. So there are a number of ways that you can do that. You can check out our Facebook page at Where Did You See God podcast. You can go to anchor.fm slash where did you see God, or you can leave a brief voice message at 804-372-3836. I would love to hear your stories. And if the stories you've heard have encouraged you, uh, think of someone else who could be encouraged as well and share it with them. The music you've been listening to is You'll Walk, You'll Run by Urban Doxology. They are a solid group and you will love listening to the rest of the music. So check them out. And as always, as you go through your day, ask yourself, where did you see God?